Welcome back to Say What Needs Saying. I'm Zach. And I'm Brandon. And today we're talking about the Trump Accountability Project. So this was a organization that was making a point to make a list of people that were members of the Trump administration that in some way made money off of Trump's time in office. It's since been shut down. It's since been taken down and it's no longer up. But there's other measures like this that have been put in place or are currently ongoing that, that we'll mention as well. We just wanted to get all of your thoughts on it, share ours, and just kind of talk about it. We got this as a request from someone listening in saying that it would be a good topic to talk about. So we figured we'd try and start some conversation around it. Well, the Trump Accountability Project, I think it's maybe 245 years too late. I think just the idea that granted, you know, is is Trump is an easy figure to punch or the administration is an easy thing to poke fun at. Um, but I think this is the most executive way to go about cancel culture. I think as a whole, um, trying to create like a list that I guess people in those higher up positions would care about. I think if you're in that level, there's some, everyone does some type of money, some type of mismanagement, you know, whether it be political or financial it's in that realm. So it's not foreign. That's not a foreign concept for them. So I think it's just almost another way for, for AOC to get some type of attention on her and, you know, her agenda. But I mean, I appreciate it, but I'm sure you can do that with almost every administration since, you know, the George H.W. Bush. See, I, I agree in part, like I agree in part that this is basically cancel culture based on politics. I I don't want to say I appreciate it. Well, I don't agree with that. I'll say that. But I think that it just sets a slippery slope precedent of, you know, what it's now okay to keep track of people and blacklist people for, you know, now has moved to being at all related to the Trump administration and being, you know, staffers or, or what have you. So I, I don't know. I, I think it sets a bad precedent, but I agree, you know, that it's definitely part of cancel culture for sure. I had sent out an invite to this Zoom meeting over email. And so if you want to join that list, feel free to email us at say what needs saying podcast at gmail.com. In that, I included a quote from the website that detailed the cause, detailed the, the point, the mission of the Trump Accountability Project. I wanted to read through it really quick before we get too deep into this, because it's not actually up on the website anymore. So like we said, it's been shut down since then. And so they've taken this off of the, off of the website. So it says that we should welcome in our fellow Americans with whom we differ politically, but those who took a paycheck from the Trump administration should not profit from their efforts to tear our democracy apart. The world should never forget those who, when faced with a decision, chose to put their money, their time, and their reputations behind separating children from their families, encouraging racism and anti-Semitism, and negligently causing the unnecessary loss of life and economic devastation from our country's failed response to the COVID-19 pandemic. Coming together starts with acknowledging the truth. These individuals have shattered laws and norms that hurt our democracy, including right now as they use the levers of government, DOJ, GSA, and state officials to subvert the fundamental underlying tenet that makes America what it is, the peaceful transfer of power from the loser of an election to the winner. That is no longer up on the website. And now when you go to the website, all you see is a statement from them. And that statement says, the Trump Accountability Project was started because we believe restoring democratic norms are vital to protecting America's future, 
a critical part of making sure the nation never finds itself in this position again is to make sure those members of the Trump administration responsible for loosening the guardrails of our democracy are not rewarded with book deals, TV contracts, or six-figure salaries in the private sector based on that experience. Ultimately, however, the goal of the project was to play a part in restoring the soul of the nation and will follow President-elect Biden's lead to get us there. Accordingly, in the spirit of the president-elect's call to build a more united country, this project will no longer be active. I mean, I think there's merit behind it. I've, I've numerous times I've seen on at least MSNBC that, you know, COVID, the COVID funding dropped by half and people got paid off and, you know, these people's salaries went up or everyone in this particular cabinet went out of... Um, went out on vacation or something like that, or, you know, ran up a bill. The Secret Service actually speaks a lot of on it. They're like, how do they get the funding for all this money and the country is doing um, so poorly? I got to find the article and post it in our Discord. Definitely has some merit, but I don't think at this point it's um, it's necessary. But clearly did. Yeah, and don't get me wrong. I'm all for investigating government corruption and government waste and and things like that. Because, you know, I think that at the end of the day, we could have a much more efficient and smaller government that does the job just as well. So I agree with you in that, in that the principle of investigating things like fraud and corruption and, and such are, are a good thing at their core. I don't like the, the fact that it's specific to the Trump administration right now. I mean, clearly, the Trump administration is the one that is in power right now. But I just think that with the amount of malice and condemnation that's already associated with anyone who at all aligns themselves with Trump, I, I think it's just kind of the straw that'll break the camel's back for a lot of people. And I don't know. And I mean, they said themselves in their statement on their website, right, that them shutting down is going along with the call to build a more united country, right? So they're in a way admitting that it's not going to, it would further divide the country by being in place. Otherwise, they wouldn't have shut it down to go along with Biden's call for unity. I think unity is definitely like it's in the same realm of something as patriotic. And right now, at least in this era, in regards to the pandemic, the idea that the country needs to come together is like a nice idea. But I guess society itself says, I don't know. I'm, I'm, help me gauge that. Do you think that America's ready to do this coming together, this traditional, you know, everyone you know, grab a grab a grab a hand in hand and link arms from she to signing sea. Do you think that's where America's going to be heading? I think, I don't know. So I think there's three groups. I don't want to say they're thirds because I don't really know how big each group is. I think there's the group that genuinely wants to get people together to bridge the divide, so to speak, and, you know, be more united, be more civil with one another. I mean, I would hope so, right? That's kind of the point of this podcast on some level, right? Mm -hmm. So there's also the group that, I mean, there's people that want another civil war on both sides, right? On the extreme left, the extreme right, there's people that literally want another civil war or think that we're going for another civil war. And then I think there's a third group that just doesn't give a shit. <laughs> like <Yeah. laughs> there's the people that at the end of the day are just like, you know what, you do you, as long as I can get to the grocery store and back and to work and back and then I'll go about my business. We do uh, see a hand up in the chat if you mm -hmm. want to go ahead. And yeah, I just wanted to add to this conversation that this clearly seems to me more like a witch hunt or going after uh, certain people of a certain administration. Mm -hmm. And I agree with Zach, what you mentioned earlier, that every administration needs some sort of accountability if there was wrongdoing, corruption, etc. And that needs to be decided by the judicial system. 
not by a particular mob who created a website and created the project. That's the right way to go about it. If we talk about objective terms, there have been previous administrations that have done way worse things. For example, the first passage that you read out, uh, it said caging of children. That was not started by Trump administration. Oh, right. That was started by the Obama administration. So there is no Obama accountability project. On the same level, if you look at objective harm to human beings, you take the Bush administration, Dick Cheney could be tried. There's a, there's a high likelihood and a high level of evidence that he could be tried for the war crimes that he was engaged in. But there is no Bush-Cheney accountability project. This is clearly a recent trend based on cancel culture, based on the left's anguish and some sort of fear against the Trump administration that these people might still be out in the world doing bad things like they did during the Trump administration, but there is no reality to that. Thanks for sharing. Yeah, I, I agree that I think it's very administration specific. I mean, like you said, there was nothing about Obama for building the cages. There's nothing about Bush, you know, during 9-11 era or anything, anything regarding the Iraq war, whatever. I think the other thing that stands out to me personally is that it's not an isolated thing. It's the one that got shut down or rather that decided to shut down. Um, I had posted some links in the chat earlier, but it was before people joined. Now I posted them again in case you couldn't see them before. These are links to other projects, if you will, that are in place. So the GLAAD one, G-L-A-A-D.org, um, they have a Trump accountability project, which is much more centered around anti-LGBTQ statements and actions. And so if you go to that link, it will list a, a long list of statements, actions, and policy details, or, you know, anything that by date, um, anything that could be perceived as anti-LGBTQ. But then the other one that had posted, the ProPublica one, there's a, it's called Trump Town. And so it tracks um, the White House staff, cabinet members, and political appointees across the government in Trump's administration. Um, on that link, it says, if you go to the website, it says that in that database that they have, there are 3,858 appoint Trump appointees. 281 of them are or were lobbyists. 150 of them worked at conservative think tanks and 263 worked for Trump campaign groups. So it's, I, I don't know, it's crazy to me that this isn't an isolated project. I don't know. I, I mean, granted, I've seen, I mean, blogs and different YouTube channels trying to do this equivalent. But I mean, for the fact that it even got any type of merit that I would see it on the news or, you know, Congresswomen would, you know, take this as an entire movement. And to disband it this fast, it's kind of like, almost like not taking it seriously. Because you're right, um, you know, the anonymous speaker, it makes sense that, you know, there's a clearly a judicial process is a way that the government handles fraud and how they, and then, you know, I said that before, you know, you can go all the way back to George H.W. Bush and his interactions with Russia and Afghanistan, like it, it goes back, but I think with time, it just, you know, they definitely cycle out, granted, not necessarily people who get, you know, reelected, but, you know, you can't necessarily change mindsets, and I think Trump was more of a mindset rather than, a person like you know if you want to you to attack trump isn't necessarily the end all be all like you may win the battle to attack trump but the war is with the mindsets that he has i guess awoken or influenced so to speak so if if you're trying to rid the white house with either the mindset or trump's views you're not going to be able to know that just because 
they sided with him. That was the president of the United States. Not a lot of people can go against the president of the United States. So it's very much so almost uh, like a hat trick. None of this started with Trump. None of the political corruption started with Trump. None yeah. of the money in government started with Trump. None of the you know swampy behavior, the corruption, the the all of this stuff, right? That yes, Trump and Trump associated appointees and staffers and what have you have done a lot of stuff, right? There's been plenty of indictments and arrests and things for Trump associated personnel. But I you know I agree with you. This isn't this isn't new. This isn't something that you know it's something that needs to be taken seriously, but not necessarily through I don't know, mob rule of the of the random institutions that pop up. But in my head, could you blame her or could you even blame the movement? I mean, who would have thought 10 years ago, who would have thought Chad could even be possible? Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? 10 months ago, who would have thought that would have been a guy as quote unquote successful as they did? You know, I wouldn't even have met. So, you know, just because the idea doesn't seem traditional, you know, it could have caught fire. And I guess that was she was hoping for it to latch on to a a grassroots movement, so to speak. I don't know. I mean, I think that honestly, if you were to ask me, you know, everything that you referenced, Chaz or Chop and, and this kind of thing, I think a lot of it is Trump specific. There's a lot of Trump specific hate. There's a lot of Trump specific animosity and things like that. I think a lot of this is COVID. I think a lot of this is people are bored. People have been <laughs> locked in their homes for not to say that there aren't underlying issues that change needs to happen in certain areas and, you know, that things like police reform form are warranted in certain in certain instances right things like that but i mean ferguson riots happened under obama right i don't think that trump now trump stokes the fire a lot of times with a lot of this stuff but i think that if obama had been president during covid that we would have seen the same kind of i don't know i hesitate to say revolutionary behavior but you know the the revolting you know right. break down the system well, kind of behavior and and to that i must agree it's not Whoever was going to sit at this podium uh, would have either saw what we saw this year or any type of uh, for it to be stagnant compared to last year. And I think we can all say that it accelerated. And that's what they're pointing at in regards to Trump. There's a lot more, but you don't it's kind of like causality, not causation. Like you can't necessarily say because he's the president that these things from the Black Lives Matter movement would or would not have happened because it's something that has been building up independently of the who was in the White House. Mm-hmm. Now, that said, these cancellation projects, these accountability projects, those I do think are Trump specific. Those I do think with his attitude, with his behavior, he's very non-political, right? He's very, he, he, he carries himself very differently than an average politician, obviously. And so mm-hmm. I think Trump specifically brings out the kind of PC cancel culture type attitude that, I mean, he's pushing back against it specifically himself, right? He's pushed back against the media. He's pushed back against cancel culture and against, you know, PC culture and in in his actions and attitudes and speech, he pushes back against it a lot. And so I'm not necessarily surprised that it happened to him. I'm surprised it's happened in general, right? I'm surprised that something like the Trump Accountability Project is a thing. But no, I mean, to answer your original point, like this doesn't necessarily shock me that it's a thing. It shocks me in general, right? But not that something would come up with Trump. We did get, so we got one comment and then we have someone with their hand up. So I'll read the comment real quick. It says, quote, swampy behavior, that, 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 that Trump was going to drain, LOL. Yeah, you know, it's something that bugs me about Trump. I don't like the hypocrisy, right? And I wish that he had pushed harder on that area of his campaign promises of the drain the swamp kind of stuff. But 
but yeah, I'll, I'll turn it over to the person with their hand up now. Yeah, I just wanted to add uh, insights about the origins of such accountability projects. They actually start in academia from departments and professors and students who have said, quote unquote, problematic things in the classroom. Websites have started popping up. This was years ago probably five to seven years ago when this started, um, a bunch of websites started recording these professors and what classes they were teaching, and what problematic things they've said. And this also led to boycotting of these professors or boycotting of speakers, inviting them to other uh, universities, etc. If they said certain problematic things that were deemed problematic by the classroom, like small things like using the N-word in a intellectual capacity to describe something as opposed to actually meaning the N-word. Things like that, small things that is questionable whether they're problematic or not, but it's blacklisting them in a certain way. And that started in academia. And now this has moved to other avenues like with Trump and other things. So yeah, I just wanted to add the history behind that. Yeah, thanks for sharing. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely started in academia in a lot of ways and not just in the US, right? This is where Jordan Peterson got his fame. Um, Jordan Peterson was a professor in Canada. He was a university professor and he got his claim to fame because he refused to use gender neutral pronouns. And in Canada, you don't have constitutionally protected free speech. Um, I'm not actually sure what happened to him with that job, but clearly he's doing fine for himself now. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, you know, it's happening all over that in academia, largely that people will get quote unquote canceled for their actions or their behaviors or what have you. And because oftentimes academia leans left with a lot of this stuff, a lot of the canceling behavior winds up either inadvertently or intentionally being focused on conservative or Republican type ideas or ideals. We definitely have to do a whole episode on cancel culture. It's something that's- talking about this for a while yeah. too. Yeah, and I mean, I don't mind talking about it right now too, because this is the whole thing with the Trump Accountability Project. Like you said, it's, it's cancel culture, but manifesting now in the public sphere and being encouraged by AOC, right? By sitting members of the government. You can um, tell that's at least where it gets its origin. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, it's, look, I, I hate to speak from my own experiences because I know that I'm probably painting with too broad a brush. I know that I can't generalize to everything based on my own experiences. But, dude, if I had a dollar for every Black Lives Matter and anti-racism and whatever else email that I got from U of M, like from either a school at U of M or from an organization at U of M or from, you know, whatever, or from higher ups at the university themselves, I, dude, I'd be rich. Like they send out so much stuff, so much, like so much advocacy, so much, you know, intertwining of academia and policy. And it's like, so I'm not surprised. I'm not super surprised that this kind of project, the Trump accountability project started I should say, I'm not trying to diss academia in general across the board, right? I'm in academia. I can only, I can only talk so much about it. <laughs> but <laughs> politically speaking, it's very intertwined. And it's very, like the anonymous speaker said, that they're, they're very open to cancel culture and to you know, write people up for, for certain beliefs or views or actions and what have you. Right. I think it's a good thing, though. I think there's some type of benefit to know that there's this new hypersensitive. Granted, many people who don't like it or many people who've had second chances may not like it. But as a whole, you're, there's like a ridiculous level of lens. And to make something viral or to make something click worthy, 
is not outside of the realm of what America can or has done in the past. So mm-hmm. if they, if any one of the new administration or Trump's old administration or any sitting member of the Congress um, were to do anything, there's enough groups and left-leaning or right-leaning sources that'll pick it up and definitely delegate it to whichever audience is going to eat it up. But it's definitely, it creates some type of accountability in my head because everyone's under the same eye. Granted, some people may be under different level lenses, but you know that's neither here nor there. Yeah, but I think that's why I disagree is I don't think everyone is under the same eye. I think the Trump administration and people associated with them are under this hawk eye, right? Whereas okay. everyone else in politics and in, in governments and any on any level, right, isn't. And like the other person said, right, the Bush administration wasn't, the Obama administration it wasn't. Now, if this is a trend, right, if this starts being a, this organization. And that's what I'm yeah, now that could be, I will, I'll eat my words if that administrate, if that same organization winds up coming, or a, a sizable one, you know, of equal power and, and reach and whatnot, starts a Biden accountability project. And this just becomes a new norm of politics, right? I think that would be fine, because at that point, it would take away the elements of it that is very Trump specific right now. I think the reason I disagree with it so much is because it's so Trump specific right now, and it's so unprecedented, that it just plays into a lot of this Trump hate that has plagued the last couple years. Because like we talked about the secret Trump voter at some point, and I think that's why, again, you saw that polls were so off is people right. don't want to admit that they like Trump on any level. People don't want to admit that they voted for him or that they plan to vote for him. People don't want to admit that they agree with him on a policy. They don't want to admit that they are in any way associated with him. But I think it just plays into that. I think it just plays into the Trump hate rhetoric that is going to more so further the divide, but more than that, pick a particular group of people that are associating themselves, however loosely with Trump and demonizing them to the point where it's only got now, do I think it's going to lead to a civil war? No, probably not. But it's definitely not going to bridge the divide in any capacity. Right. So I have, I do have a question I'm going to post to you, or at least to all that are listening. Mm -hmm. Um, Would you, would rather the list be there or not be there? Would you rather to have the idea that is being pointed out for the people to know, or you rather it be in secrecy and different soundbites across the internet? I mean, I think, again, it depends on the context, I think. And well, and anyone else, if you have any thoughts on this question, feel free to drop them in the chat or raise your hand if you want to speak on it. But yeah, I think it depends on the context. I think if it is a one-off event, then absolutely, I don't think that information, that list should be out there just because I think it's in bad taste. Now, legally speaking, you're allowed to do whatever you want, right? You're allowed to cancel people and you're allowed to, you're allowed to blacklist people to an extent, right? You can't, you can't do anything. But legally speaking, I think they're fine. Morally speaking, I think it's awful, right? Morally speaking, I think it's, it's, slight, it's, it's obviously different from discrimination based on immutable traits racism, it's different than things like sexism, because like you can't change those with politics, right? It's a little less of a identity, your values may align with your party affiliation, or, you know, something along those lines, but but it's less of an inherent immutable trait, right? You don't you're not necessarily born. Well, some people might say they're born Republican, but yeah, To, to answer your question, no, I generally I don't think the list should exist unless it becomes such a pattern and trend that every single presidential administration has one. I think even then it's kind of, I mean, that would be good, right? It would be a good institution if it started and was unbiased in that way. But if it's just targeting one administration or one group, then yeah, I would rather it not be in existence. 
Yeah, uh, I just wanted to add that uh, I think the list already exists. Yeah, um, it's self-evident. Um, it's on Wiki. Whether you talk about Wikipedia or media articles or uh, evidence directly from uh, individuals speaking about what they might have done, you have that evidence already. Um, and there's a list of it online. Anyone can Google what the Trump administration has done mm -hmm. and take those objective facts and then decide, okay, what was right, what was not right. Second point is that I do think a lot of the Trump administration officials have been held accountable. Right. Uh, a good portion of the Trump cabinet has been indicted uh, legally by the judicial system uh, for certain acts that they've done uh, during uh, before the election or uh, after the 2016 election. And so I, I do think that this extra step of an accountability project itself is not necessary because there's already a list and some individuals have been held accountable already. So I think, so I agree mostly with you, right? I think that's most of why I was saying that I don't agree with it. I will say if it were to become a commonplace thing, then I think, so I'm posting a link now in the, and all these links that we post, we're going to have up in our, in our episode descriptions. Um, but I posted an, a link for anyone who doesn't already know what I'm talking about. Vote 411 is an institution or an organization that I thought of when I thought of this accountability project. This is an organization that basically you can look through information pertaining to your ballot, to how to vote, how to, you know, how to register to vote, all kinds of stuff about voting, right? And so the main thing that I wanted to point out is to find what's on your ballot. If you go there, basically you enter your address and it pulls up everything that's going to come up on your ballot, who, who everyone is, what their stances are when they are known, you know, what some quotes of theirs are, et cetera, et cetera. And so to me, the accountability project in its purest form, if it were to become a recurring thing to be happening under every single administration, it would become a, a useful service just like Vote 411, right? Because Vote 411, all that information, like you said, all that information is out on the internet, is available to you. And so people can do the research and gather all that information themselves. But I think the site does, I mean, I used Vote 411 when I was voting, right? I looked at it to, to gather some info on the ballot. And so I think, again, if it was done with good intentions and not just what I really believe is just anti-Trump motivations, anti-Trump beliefs to, to start this institution, this organization, that's where I disagree with it. I don't think it could really form under good intentions, right? I think it's much more like, much more unlikely to have someone start an organization to keep an eye on every administration, because that's also a lot of work. But yeah, so I think largely, I agree with with 95% to 99% of what you said. I think that it's unnecessary for a lot of reasons um, and that the information is still out there. But I could see an argument for the opposite side, assuming the intentions were more or less good. I think it was just going to go along with the idea of attacking Trump, because I believe because Biden won, they kind of just dropped it and assumed that this kumbaya or that it all will resolve itself. But if, if Trump were to win, you know, that list would have gained traction, I believe, and tried to, I guess, extinguish more of his cabinet. Granted, whether it be right or wrong, it is pick. So does, I guess, I, mean, I don't want to say picking on, but I guess that's the best term of picking on his administration. Well, I mean, it kind of is, right? It's kind of, you know, like we said, it's on some level, it's isolating him and not any other government officials or administrations throughout history and whatever. Now that may just be because of timing, right? That may, it may very well be that this organization has good intentions, has, you know, the desire to keep an eye on every administration from here on out and isn't doing this for some kind of anti-Trump nefarious, you know, 
discriminatory motives, right? And that that could very well be the case. But like some of the other stuff that the other person was bringing up and the cancel culture attitude that has been so pervasive, I'm just skeptical of, of their motives. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, we'll have to see, right? It's obviously being shut down, but I don't know the other ones that I had posted earlier on, the GLAD and the, the ProPublica Trump Town <laughs> databases. I mean, those are there, right? The databases exist. You can go to ProPublica and search through the database and get all kinds of info. Now, I don't know if they're being updated. Um, Before the episode, I searched Kaylee McEnany. I don't know if they're doing everyone associated with Trump or if it's only specific people, but Kaylee McEnany didn't pop up, but Ivanka Trump did. So yeah, I mean, the info is out there and we'll have to see whether this trend continues, right? I don't necessarily, I'm biased. I don't necessarily think that this is going to continue into Biden because it's just not how, (laughs) at risk of sounding conspiratorial, it's just not how the media works. It's just not how, it's not going to be as cancel Biden as it was cancel Trump. But the right wing could use it to, or any, any, you know, right wing, left wing, they could definitely use it for Kamala Harris because, granted, she will have the highest level of magnif- uh, magnification that I think we've ever seen just because of her title and the, what she's expecting, or at least how she's coming in. One thing that we learned, especially with the Obama administration, uh, they're not, at least not initially, not ready for change, or at least not too quick to move. You, the government's not necessarily the most partisan group. Well, and, you know, that'll, that may very well happen again with, you know, if the Republicans win the runoff elections for the Senate in Georgia, and they hold the majority of the Senate, then they could very well do what they did to Obama and stall him on plenty of stuff. But we did get someone uh, commented in the chat, they said, I think people are going to pay more attention to her over Biden, to be honest. Yeah, I I would agree with that. I mean, especially, again, I I say this in the best way possible because I don't want to make it sound like I'm talking bad about Biden, but Biden's an old guy. Come Like Biden is not going to make it two terms and four years, like that's already 82. People are looking at Kamala Harris as potentially taking over if for some reason Biden is not able to serve the role of presidency anymore. So I think she's got that spotlight on her. Go ahead. And Trump is thinking about, well, Trump has the ability to say that he'll be running in 2024 as well. <laughs> he does. We have no idea what's going to happen. Granted, I do have sli- a, not a conspiracy, but there is uh, an interesting plan that Trump can have in the back pocket. So Fox News and the media at least really did not like Trump. And they had this back and forth. Mm-hmm. Now, the worst thing that, that, well, I guess the best thing for Trump, worst thing for them is that Who's going to give the former president of the United States a podcast? So that's one of the biggest things that's out right now. Trump getting a podcast or Trump creating a cable network to completely, to directly go against Fox News and MSNBC is going to be very difficult because his audience is going to be huge. And from there, he can almost project this like anti-fake news rhetoric Mm -hmm. and really almost stir up his own, almost his own publicity. And I only bring that up because he's not going to be on anybody's side. You know, he wasn't on the side of Obama. Um, even his own cabinet he was on on the side of. So we'll see what happens. We'll see what, what he's able to do. Yeah, he's talked about that with, you know, starting some kind of media company or something, right? And he could, he has the money. It doesn't even, it wouldn't even be a podcast, right? It would just be a full-on news network. Like, like he would just snap his fingers and it would appear. Um, and so they they could, if he decides to do that, I think if he plays his cards right, he has a good chance of decimating Fox if he if he really tries to. 
because a lot of people are unhappy with Fox lately on the right. You know, you you hear it on a lot of different conservative and right-leaning sources that people are more so believing that Fox is just kind of another mainstream media source and that they're kind of showing those colors a little more recently. They were very, people were very upset about them calling Arizona so quickly, but not calling Florida. People were upset about, certain people were upset about Chris Wallace's performance in the debate. I want to give him a little more credit than, yeah. than the average one. Yeah, so I, I won't quite demonize him as much as he's being demonized on the right from, from some people. But I do think, you know, a lot of people on the right are angry at Fox News. So it'll be really interesting to see if Trump actually takes that leap and, and goes into media production because he could put a serious dent in their in their revenue and media in general, right? He's kind of started this movement against, or rather spiked up this movement against the media. It'll be interesting to see how he plays into it with his own now media source. We did get another comment. Uh, it said a vote for Biden wasn't necessarily a vote for Biden, but a vote against Trump, right? And we saw that too with people, uh, what's the term for it? Where you switch what side you're voting on the ballot. You vote Trump at the top, and then you vote Democrats all down ballot, or you vote Biden at the top, but then you vote Republicans all down ballot. And you saw a lot of, you know, the Republicans, assuming they win in Georgia, are on track to maintain their Senate majority. And they picked up seats in the House, right? And so a lot of people did vote for Biden because they didn't like Trump, but then voted for all of the Republicans because, well, you know, I still want them in instead of you know having a fully Democrat government or because they didn't really agree with Biden on policy or in government handling, but they just wanted Trump out that bad. And so that's a good point. Um, I think that's another reason why people are going to focus more on Kamala is they could have run anyone as long as it wasn't Trump. A lot of or them would have still voted. <laughs> yeah, right. Right. That's the thing. I think I really would have appreciated like a Bernie Trump election because I think it would have been a genuine battle of ideals and and governmental style as opposed to Trump versus not Trump. <laughs> but yeah. at the same time, I don't think someone like Bernie or Elizabeth Warren would have stood a chance as much as or, Biden did. Or to pull as many numbers as we saw. The fact that they right. were the you know, no, number one and then number two, yeah. most amount of people voted for a period uh, really shows that I guess both sides really worked hard. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, that said, you know, it also was much more accessible, right, between mail-in voting and, you know, another early voting and things like that that got expanded. But, but yeah, you know, it was record turnout. So it was definitely telling. Thanks for listening. If you liked this episode, please remember to like, subscribe, and leave us a five-star rating. Also, you can follow us on Twitter at Say What Needs and on Instagram and Facebook at Say What Needs Saying for live updates and sound bites from our actual podcast. Don't forget to continue the discussion. Thank you for listening. Thanks.